0: Going back to my ancestors, I feel like that's part of the legacy is values and values of family and how you raise your children and what their beliefs are. As the crow flies on the Vance Crow podcast.
1: Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here today. I speak with Julie McDaniel, who is a mother and runs a cattle ranch out in the far extreme panhandle of Oklahoma. This is a desolate, dry, cold, hot place that is really harsh. But Julie has managed to build a family and a unit there that I admire from afar. She's married to my good friend, Jared McDaniel, who runs the Ag Uncensored podcast. And we sat down to just have a conversation about What is it to be a mother in this modern age while you're living out in a place that her ancestors have passed down for generations, well over a hundred years? So we have a fantastic conversation and I'm really excited to get to that. Before we do, I wanna give you just a heads up about some of the things going on with the Articulate Ventures Network. At the end of the month, the last Sunday of the month, we are doing a book club and we are reading the book 1984 by George Orwell. There is still time for you to finish reading that book, even if you order it right now or you start checking out the audiobook. It is a wild read through the concepts of surveillance and, and people giving over their rights and freedoms and what happens when you push back on it. So we are going to have a book club at 730 on the last Sunday of the month. And if you'd like to join that, uh, an easy way to do it is just to send me a DM in Twitter or you can join the Articulate Ventures Network where you can get the event listings, you can get invitations to it, and you can always stay on top of it. Another thing that you might be interested in that the network is getting into is over the next few weeks, we are having several virtual reality gatherings where we're gonna be doing different experiments, we're just getting together, it's people that have the equipment, or even people that just have a desktop and they wanna see what does it look like inside of a virtual world. So if you're interested in these types of exploration, not only of technology, but in ways to communicate with other people and how to interact in ways that we don't really have structures for or the way to do it, then I would recommend joining the Articulate Ventures Network. If you're the type of person that's interested in this stuff, you will love all the people that you'll meet, the classes that you'll get to take that'll teach you everything from how to be- have better conversations to how to upload videos to YouTube. We are having a great community that is building slowly over time and if you're loving these interviews, you enjoy hearing people like Julie McDaniel talk about her things in a deeper way, then you will love the other people that have also found the Articulate Ventures Network. So I will include a link below and make sure you uh, click on it and if you enjoy it, I think you will find something very valuable for yourself there. So now on to the interview with Julie McDaniel. Julie McDaniel, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Vance. I'm excited to be here.
1: So you are a woman that has uh, continued a family tradition of living on in Oklahoma ranching cattle. Uh, what is the story with your family? Why in the world are you out in the middle of the panhandler where in a part of the world where nobody even knows exists?
0: Right. Well, um, you know, my ancestors Wanted something new and different and had an adventurous spirit and had the courage to come out into this area, I believe in 1890, it was either 1890 or 1894, before Oklahoma was a state, and try something new, be different, you know, just try something that- Do you have any idea what they were
1: doing before this? Like, what would prompt somebody to go to this, like, what I view as, like, really harsh environment?
0: well they came from a really harsh environment so i have uh descendants from on both sides from um germany mexico ireland um they came from areas where they were being oppressed and um they wanted freedom to do their own thing and to at least just have the freedom to try to be successful um and and uh not be oppressed so they came out and they had lots of hard work and dedication to make it work. So, that's
1: so just to funny. set the scene, like I, I know you through Twitter, and you're married to a good friend of mine. But you have some element about who you are and what you do that I find to be something that's magnetic. And my wife is about to have our first child, and I know that you are a mother of many children. You're a part of a blended family. You've had children, yes. and I I see the way that you raise their kids. And I mm-hmm. see it's something different and, and I so I just kind of wanted to bring you on and talk about what is it to be a woman living on the high drop dry plains of New Mexico raising kids mm-hmm. and and living out a, a life where you are essentially the descendants of a, of a, like five generations of, of mm-hmm. cattle ranchers in Oklahoma and that's yes. gone you know if, if you weren't there it just wouldn't exist as a part of the culture so I have no idea where this will go, but I'm very interested in hearing about your views of being a woman and a mother and living out in the high plains.
0: Well, first of all, being a mother is hands down the most awesome, amazing experience of all time, period. And um, I feel very fortunate to be able to be a mother. I know a lot of people struggle uh, to become a mother, and so I have a lot of sympathy in that area, but becoming a mother is amazing. I'll never forget, whenever I had my my first, when I saw him, man, something just clicked inside of me, and, and I knew that I was exactly where I was supposed to be, is being a mama. Um, How old were you? I was 25. 25 was my first, and um, it just was... I can't explain it. I, I always say that he saved my life, and I mean that in a way that, so so, just to give you a little bit of a background, I have a, I was a major at computer, computer information systems was my major, and um, I was getting my master's, an MBA, and you know I was just very much so. I owned my own business. I, you know, was very career driven, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not coming down on that at all. But whenever I had Alex, man, it just my priorities straightened up really quick, and I knew immediately that he was, he was it. He was my life, and. I just wanted to be around him and show him the world and show him his strength and help him discover the the awesome, beautiful paths that you can take in life. And um, I just, I, I wanted to do that. And so I cut down on my hours. I actually ended up selling my house. <laughs> because I, I didn't like being away from him. And so I sold my house and moved into a tiny little rent house, but I could afford it and only work three days a week. And it allowed me to be with him more. And, um, you Were know, you married? No, uh-uh. I was divorced. And, wow. um, and, and I wanna be real clear that my uh, ex-husband is a wonderful man. He's a very good man. Um, we uh we probably just should have never have gotten married. We were high school sweethearts and we're just the best of friends and we honestly still kind of are the best of friends. <laughs> but we just we I think we both just needed more from a marriage other than just friendship. And um he's now married to a wonderful woman. But he and I we split custody. So uh, you know, it was really important to me that Alex have his father in his life and um And he felt the same way about me and so uh, anyway so I was not married at the time and um, he uh, I I just decided to quit those things because I knew that he was my priority what could be what could possibly be more important than raising him to be a good man there's nothing more important
1: When I thought about doing this interview, I have to say that I've had more uh, hesitation about bringing up the fact that I see you first and foremost as a mother, not because I think that's wrong, but because Mm -hmm. in our culture, there's definitely like um, a polarity around Mm -hmm. implying that women have to, or that that's something that they must do. But in other cultures, when I lived in Kenya, for example, Mm -hmm. a girl was just a girl until she became a mama. And once she became a mama, everyone referred to her as mama. It was a transcendent experience Mm -hmm. that put them within the fabric of the community. So when I was bringing it up with you, I was like, am I going to upset Julie? She's a smart woman, she's driven, she works hard. Is, Is calling her a mother first gonna be insulting?
0: Absolutely not. No, I wear that badge of honor. Absolutely. Why do you
1: think in culture it is that way? Why do I feel that way, do you think?
0: I don't know. And, you know, I see that a lot, too. Um, it's almost like our culture has stopped putting worth on it, on being a stay-at-home mom. I've, I've got that. Uh, you know, Julie, why would you ever give up your own business? And it was a successful business, um, very successful. Um, why would you ever do that, to be at home, to just be a stay-at-home parent. Uh, The decision was incredibly simple to me, because that's what I wanted to do. And so I would do it. And I would do what it took to make it work. Um, And luckily, I was raised by generations of of people, men and women, to think for myself and not necessarily what society tells me is right and wrong. Um, I feel like a lot of society, it's where they place value is your career. And um, I have lots of friends who went down that path and I was going down that path uh, also. And, and again, I'm not coming down on career driven people at all. I'm really not, but there is a biological clock there. And um, I know so many of my friends have really struggled with that. When they finally decided, hey, I want to have kids. Maybe there were some more difficulties that perhaps, if they were younger, they wouldn't have had those.
1: It's just yeah, I mean, I feel I feel straight up lied to. I mean, like, um, and it was entirely on me. I I had all of the data, all of the information, all of the cultural emphasis, and I had. But I feel like I was convinced by society that um this clock was really not that important and if you decided you wanted to be a parent that was just kind of a part of things but once we made the decision that this was like going to be a fundamental component of us being married Mm -hmm. and of us actually being human beings by having Mm -hmm. this child then once we'd made that decision now we had to walk over hot Mm -hmm. effing coals yes and Uh i i so to hear you describing this and having that knowledge early I just I, I I want to, without overstepping my bounds, tell yeah. other people that this is important.
0: Yeah. Well, I I do try to tell people that it's important, and I and I just try to encourage that. Um, in my opinion, uh, there is no there is nothing more important. I don't care what you do for a living. There is nothing more important than our children and our future and their belief system. Um, in raising them the way that you feel like they need to be raised uh, I had wonderful babysitters with Alex when you know I wasn't married and they were they were sweet and wonderful but they didn't necessarily share the same value system that I that I do um, and that's nothing against them we were friends but they were spending more time with my kid than I was and so he was picking up their value system rather than mine and going back to my ancestors i feel like that's part of the legacy is values and values of family and how you raise your children and what their beliefs are and that's you know my my grandparents and and their parents that was passed on generation upon generation upon generation of just your beliefs and the way that you see the world and I wanted to pass that on. I don't want a, another person passing their belief system onto my child. That's my job.
1: Do you think that, I mean like, so in the one context of being in an Oklahoma cattle ranch where you're kind of far mm-hmm. away from the rest of the world, right. it, it, it seems like time would move at a slower pace and that and that right. oftentimes in the city, people feel like, well, we had the values of our ancestors, but those don't really apply here and now and in this context. Right. Right. What do you think? Do your values apply because you're living in a slower place or are those people forgetting the values that their ancestors had? I think they're
0: forgetting them. I think you can look around in society and see how losing touch with where you came from, what those value systems are, uh, what those belief systems are. I, I feel like That's part of why our society is breaking. And when you don't have that basic anchor in your life to go back to um, and and just to center you, uh, I I think it's really easy to get lost. And I feel like our society is lost in a lot of ways. Um, There's good things that are coming in society, but I just feel like they, they really have have lost those general beliefs and, and instead of going back to what their where their ancestors came from and what those belief systems are they 're looking at outside sources and those people are lost too so it, it, you know it 's the blind leading the blind and I feel incredibly fortunate, incredibly fortunate to live on a ranch where um, you know yeah the same values you so, so like when we are working cattle, for example jared and i try to talk about perhaps maybe the way that our ancestors worked cattle or the way that they they ran them or gathered them or maybe some of the difficulties that they had to work around and um my kids get it they can see it they're doing they are doing the exact same thing now there might be some different technology involved or something like that but the basic core Um, you know, the condition of the animal, the grass, uh, you know, are they eating enough? Is it okay? Is it nutritious? They, our ancestors were doing the exact same thing. And um, I love that they have that basic connection because they can always go back to it. Even if they choose to go off and live in a city, that's fine, but they will still always have that anchor and that that general core that they were brought up on to, to fall back
1: on. Yeah. There's something about the, if you work in ag, you have to be more in tune with what is going on with nature. Like yeah. for example, when I listen to the weather, it's like, am I going to wear sandals and shorts yeah. or am I going to wear jeans? <laughs> not does this have an impact on my life? Like, you know, like, right. but with, with yours, like the, it's not just the day to day weather that matters on and off. It's the overall seasons and where are you heading into and where are you coming out of? right that seems to me to be like something you have to cover over in values because otherwise I, I don't know there's something interesting about that raising a kid within that environment
0: yeah I think in I think they appreciate life more I think they I think they see the uh, how delicate it can be um, and you know this we've, we talked about this the other day but um, you know, we were in a horrible drought and we got some much needed rain, which was amazing and praise God. I mean, it was awesome. Um, but we went, my son and I went and were checking the cattle and we found a dead one. And then four hours later, we found another dead one. So, what happened was that amazing rain, beautiful rain, which we're still very grateful for, had sprouted some seeds and had. Uh, You know, a toxic plant was growing somewhere in this field and in this pasture. And so we immediately called our kids, especially our older kids, and explained the situation. And we gathered them and moved them that day. And we just had to do it. And it was a very long very trying Well, day. explain
1: to people that don't have cattle when you're saying we went out and moved them it's not like you went out and moved a bunch of puppies no or you went out and moved a bunch of like animals that are like we're going to do whatever you say you're talking about right. thousand pound beasts that yes. if they decide to harm you or yeah. your children they can yeah. do it
0: absolutely they absolutely can do it and you have to show strength you have to show strength you cannot i'm not saying be mean but you have to show strength that you will not overpower me, you do not scare me. And, um, and I think that my kids seeing me in that situation uh, gives them strength. Like, well, gosh, if mom can do that, you know, I can do this. And, uh, I like to present myself in strong situations. I try very hard to show my kids strength and to help them to discover their strength. So when we are moving these thousand pound animals, um, you know, uh, this is gonna sound funny, but I played college basketball. So I, I tell my kids, you know, get in your defensive stance, make yourself as big as humanly possible, get those arms out wide, you know, show this animal that you are a force to be reckoned with and um and so you know we had to do it and at the very end we had a group that would not leave this was 460 animals um, they're going on two years old and so they're kind of it's like a big group of teenagers that you're trying to <laughs> gather up <laughs> yeah and they don't want to lo- leave they don't want to ma- uh, move or leave because it's this beautiful lush green pasture and, and they're loving life. They don't wanna leave there. And so uh anyway, we we just had to force the issue. Just and so I had to grab I at the very end, Jared he's like, I wish I would have had my camera. But this group, probably about fifteen, they just were not they were not gonna do it. And so I just grabbed a scraper, uh, you know, of like a shovel just a scraper off the back of the pickup and I just you know went over there and I showed them that they that they were going to move and, <laughs>
1: and
0: Jared said gosh I wish I would have recorded that he said those animals had seen that you had had enough and they just went in and so I think that there is a time and a place to show force. Uh, you know, I didn't have to hit them or anything like that. You know, I wasn't like abusing them in any way. But it's just, it's just showing dominance that, no, you will do this. And you're moving today.
1: And you're going to do it
0: now for their own good. You know. So anyway, but it was fun. Hey, I, it was a great experience.
1: I often talk about like the cultural divide that occurs between the city and the countryside. And that... Right. And that, like, in some respects, you're talking about entirely different cultures as though they were in different countries because Mm -hmm. of the expectations of what you are responsible for if you're living out on the plains versus Mm -hmm. if you're living in the city, you have to have so much more cooperation, right? So Mm -hmm. there's this weird dichotomy that seems Mm -hmm. like an imbalance. But one of the things that strikes me about it is... Like the values that you were talking about, it's not like you sat down and you're like, "Hey, this is this book of a list of like 150 values that we're going to pass on." The values mm-hmm. that you're passing on are: this is what you need to know in order that you survive at all, let alone thrive mm-hmm. in this environment.
0: Right, right, yeah. And a lot of our values that we that we do, uh, <laughs> like you said, is is for basic survival. You know, if you were if you were confronted by an animal that. Is threatening you? This is what you do. Um, You know we have tons of rattlesnakes around here. That's very common. Um, Learning how to deal with them, what you do, the the proper way to act. Um, I mean, I keep a a shovel, a flathead shovel, by my front door, and I kill snakes all the time. Um, And that's just what you do. I mean, and I love (laughs) the fact. I love the fact that my kids know that. You know, I don't call Jared to come home and kill it, to kill something. I don't, I am completely capable of doing that on my own. Um, I have a little 410 shotgun that I take care of things with. And you know sometimes we have strange people pull up to our house and the thing is is that our house is kind of hard to find and so if someone is there and they didn't call before that's you know they're lost or you know maybe don't have the best intentions and so I've greeted people with a shotgun before and I'm not being rude I'm just letting them know hey I don't I don't mess around so what do you need and we can move forward from here. Well, that and- sounds
1: exactly like the the cattle thing that you were describing, right? Like yeah. if you put on a face of being a slight little flower, they're going to come over, you know they're just going to go yes. do whatever they want. and, and you don't want to find out, after the Mm-mm. fact that they were testing you, you want That's to know, right. you want them to know right away that you pass the test, whether they're testing you or not.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. I don't suffer fools. So, you know, state your business. What do you need? And not that it's rudeness, but, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not here to play. So <laughs> same way with Wait, cattle people.
1: <laughs> you know, you were talking about suing your children like, Hey, we want to talk about the dead cows or we have, have to kill a rattlesnake. Right. There's something, um, like uh, that seems like an opposing force with a mother that's talking about the first time I held my my baby in my hands it clicked and it changed my life yes with the making children confront the reality that life is not forever right that's like a Mm -hmm. loss of innocence in a way how have you balanced that how have you thought about exposing your kids to these rough elements
0: I think you're doing a disservice if you don't it's life it's reality I would rather them experience those things with me so I can help guide them through them uh, than when they maybe go off to college or you know their first job or whatever whenever they move away and they they have these questions and they're hard questions, but uh, you know maybe turning to a friend or someone else who going back to someone who if they don't have that basic anchor in their life, that one thing to bring them back, to center them. Um, I feel like that's my job as a mom, is to help them through that and to show them death. I was never shielded from death as a child. Um, I remember watching several people that I loved pass away and being in the room when they did. Um,
1: Really? I've, yeah. nev- I've never, I've mm-hmm. never, I've never seen that. I've only seen violent deaths. I've never seen a passing death.
0: Okay, yeah. So I watched my grandfather die. He had, um, he had smoked his entire life, um, and that was the first time I had actually watched somebody die. Um, he he was an he was an amazing man they they came from ireland and completely self-made man um he went on a first cattle drive him and i think his 11-year-old brother uh moved cattle like Several miles and his dad just sent him off and I think his dad or he was 9 and maybe his brother was 10 or 11 And they were moving like 200 head of cattle You know just crazy things but he just he lived his life he did it his own way And um, you know he rolled his own cigarettes and I, I helped I won't forget like he would be rolling them and he would, you know, he showed me how to do it and all of that. And he did a line of lung cancer. I know. I know. But you know, he lived his but on life. Some level, his way.
1: Like, yeah. On some yeah. level, that was like the color that makes him who he is, right? If yes. you take the every blanket you have and you say, I don't want any stains in these blankets, then you take yeah. away all the incidences or All him. the
0: cool character from it. And so you know, I just was never shielded from it. And I also wasn't taught that it was a bad thing. I mean, honestly, when you watch animals suffer, um, you learn really quick, there are a lot worse fates than death. And it's it's brutal. Um, and sometimes that's the mercy, is death. And so I wasn't really taught to fear death. And I don't fear death. Um, you know, if I die, okay, that's my time. I. I grew up uh several of my friends have passed away, like I said I've been around people who a lot of people who have died, and so it's just not something i'm very I'm very comfortable with it. It's going to happen. Um, I want to give that comfort to my children it uh, It is what it is, and it's not something to necessarily fear, but while you are on this earth, you better live it up and 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 make your mark and even if that mark means passing good values, like to me, that's my mark, is I'm passing my values and those good values, what I consider to be good values of, you know, a hard work ethic, treating people with love and respect, um, not tolerating BS, um, you know, not suffering fools, you know, showing your strength. Um, but in a respectful way, that's my legacy, and I feel comfortable with it, with that being my mark. I It makes me proud that I'm doing that.
1: When you think about your mark, that's—I really like that term. I probably start using that more because it, it's something—it's something more powerful than just your signature. It's—it's—it's it's, it's your signature that transcends. It lasts into the future, even when right. you're gone, even when the buildings you put up are gone, or the
0: right—that's
1: right. really interesting.
0: Yeah. So I just—I've always felt like that is legacy. That was a legacy that was passed to me. Is—is is your value system and. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's why death doesn't freak me out is, is I know that I'm passing those on and I know that my children will pass those on. And I know that it is just something that has continued through generation upon generation upon generation. And, and we're going to stick with it and we're going to keep with it. And that makes me happy. It makes my heart happy to know that.
1: It, it strikes me that leaving your mark is actually like um, art. Uh-huh. Everyone's art. Yeah. That, that it's like it may not have meaning other than the meaning that you can see in it the meaning that mm-hmm. it like that it shares with other people that it that it impacts out in the world I've never thought about that I mean and the reason I say that is because you're talking about your values go- living on through your children and at this sure. point even if you were to pass away you, yeah. those will live on and they will pass on to their children and that's a, it's a it's it's a It's a humility that I think we don't get in the city, but I don't think it's because people are falsely modest or falsely humble. It's that they don't actually understand. It's harder to understand your place in the universe when you're a part Mm -hmm. of a city.
0: Right. Right. I, I personally don't like cities. I'm not coming down on anyone from a city, but man, I think I would just, I don't think people are meant to live in a concrete jungle. I think it messes with them. And just... Needing that connection to the earth and with nature, I, I feel like you learn about life from it. And the the way that 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 there is a circle to life, and uh, and that's okay, and it's good, and there's nothing wrong with it. Um, like when I die, I don't want to be embalmed or anything like that. I'm completely fine with being fertilizer for our land, <laughs> you know, and that, in some way that brings me a lot of comfort to know that through me, other things will be given life. Um, and maybe through in the same way with my children, through me, they have a value system that will hopefully keep them anchored their entire life. And then they can pass that on and pass it on. And like you said, like, that's, that's my mark. That's, that's an art to shape and mold a soul to see life in a certain way and not become bitter.
1: Yeah, people don't really have that perception that you can talk about the soul and, the, and that I, I do think that leads to people because when you don't accept that there is some voice inside of you that is mm-hmm. both wrapped into who you are but also somehow distinct, when you deny that thing, mm-hmm. then you right. don't really have a soul. It is separated from the body and what you're trying to do is only in the physical world that is only in your awards and mm-hmm. your accolades and your, what is going on right now. But when you understand the connection that you have a voice that is telling you to go somewhere, to manifest yes. something in the world, you feel connected.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you also feel that, like I said, that when, when I saw my son for the first time, um, man, that voice was strong and, and, selling my house and giving up my job or just getting rid of my job all those things passed away really quickly they they held little to no importance you know yes I needed money but I just needed enough to provide for my son and I and I didn't need all that stuff and I can't carry it with me but but the values that I place in him yeah that's where it's at that's the importance.
1: Um, do you have a name for that voice? I mean, that voice that we're talking about—that both of us know. Do you? Mm-hmm. Do you? Is it something you have a communion with that you can talk with whenever you want, or is it something that only happens in these very Im- intense moments?
0: I feel like well, my soul or my spirit, and then of course I—I I have Christian values, so of course God, and um, and also I—I'm going to get kind of. <laughs> some people might think this is weird, but. I do feel like there is something guiding me in either ancestors or, you know, a spirit, something that helps guide your way in life. Um, There's something very uh, spiritual about it and um, listening to that voice and denying it, I don't know, it almost makes you, what's the proper word for it it's like there's a void inside of you if you denied it and it's not it's almost like you're not living a whole life and understanding the whole picture of life um but yeah just your soul spirit i think just having that connection to it is is very 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 important
1: you you mentioned the circle of life and then the whole life and it's funny so when my wife and I decided we were going to get pregnant, we had a long road to, to get down to be able to make it happen. But the whole time, I just kind of had like, a, like, a, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I wasn't really thinking about what I was doing or that there was right. a human life at stake. or it, it wasn't really like that when we were in the middle of it. But the mm-hmm. day that she called me to say she went to the doctors and the pregnancy had gone on long enough that she knew what the gender was, Oh. She then says, it's a little girl. Oh! And, and to me, that was like, I had had this image of like a blob that was our child, right? But it wasn't like anything I could relate to. Right. But when you all of a sudden defined, it has feminine energy as opposed to masculine energy. you would be a girl right. as opposed to a boy. Now, right. all of a sudden, it's realness snapped into place. And I had a picture in my mind of a symbol I had maybe only seen once in my life, but it suddenly, uh-huh. and it was the snake eating its tail, the, uh-huh. the, the uroboros, the, yes, the, uh-huh. the beginning and the end, the alpha. Right. You, and I'm saying this and you immediately agree, yeah. right? Like yeah. that was one of those things that I didn't expect, that when we knew the child was coming, it came into existence. And so much about the world that was right in front of me became yeah. unveiled. So as you're talking about these experiences, I relate to it, but like almost from behind a screen. Like I haven't gotten there yet, but you make me very Um, excited about it. Yeah.
0: Just wait until you meet her. It's going to be amazing. You you will love it.
1: (laughs) What should somebody that has been like me, has been a masculine guy hanging out with Mm -hmm. a lot of guys. I love women, but what should I know about raising a woman?
0: Um. I think well you should know that my dad um he raised me and honestly all of us kids to be strong and my mom too like I said we've a generation upon a generation of very very strong people and in incredible willpower um I think I think raising a woman um I think showing her her strength it's almost I think sometimes there's a stereotype that men you know get to be like masculine and strong and you know all of that and maybe there's a stereotype that women shouldn't be that and so I think perhaps the that's why society rejects it and almost goes overboard the other way where a woman has to uh, swear you come across women who are it's almost like they are a rebellious teenager towards those feminist ideas I think just teaching a woman or a, your daughter to, to have those soft touches, but man, love is strength. And I think women in particular have um, a real ability to love and a natural ability to love. And um, so much strength can come from that. And that is in no way a weakness at all.
1: Um, and Tell me more about that. You're saying something to me that I understand on like a literature level, but I don't think I really mm-hmm. get what you're saying.
0: Right. The um, the idea of loving someone. So, for example, uh, and I'm going to reference my son because, again, I feel like he saved me in so many ways. Um just that unconditional love that will never end ever no matter what and that takes incredible strength incredible strength whenever you are confronted with something that um you don't like it's so easy to say i'm done with this i don't want to mess with this um but I think learning to love through that, even if you're super angry at the person or or wanting to reject them, just having that deep-seated love that is that is never ending and it drives you. So your actions come from a place of love that is your motivation. And I feel like whenever you start to adapt or adopt those that that way of life, it changes your entire outlook. Um, whenever you say, okay, love is my, vot- my motivator, not necessarily revenge or <laughs> not the revenge is a good motivator, although some people it does motivate, um, not revenge or power or money or fame, you know, my motivator is love. So, what do you do with that? It changes everything. It changes the way you see the world. It changes the way you you conduct yourself and your and you, your business and um the way you raise your children, you know, just changes everything. So my son showed me that.
1: You you uh You have a marriage with a very good friend of mine, so I have like a weird view into it. But one of the things that I've observed about you that really resonates with me is that you are a worthy adversary for your husband. And I don't mean that in terms of like you get to get him, but like you are every bit as strong in the ways that he is not. And the, Mm -hmm. and the, I I don't know how to describe that, but maybe you can describe it better. Like,
0: (laughs) well, I think, I think showing love, going back to that loving spirit is, um, challenging people you know calling them out when they need to be called out you know is loving someone uh, enabling them to do something that is harmful to them or hurts them in some way I don't think so so um, or maybe allowing someone to uh, to talk a certain way or, or you know go Present something in a way that you don't agree with that maybe just in silent on just for the sake of getting along I personally don't think that that helps that person grow to be better um, and so and I was raised that way too so i I do challenge him my mom challenges my dad all the time my grandmother challenged my grandfather um, I just I think I'm surrounded by women that do challenge but do it in a respectful way not in a mean way but in a way like, hey, you know, maybe you should rethink that or here's a different perspective. Um, And I think that Jared loves and respects that. I think that's a good thing. Um, And if he didn't, then he wouldn't have married me because that's the way that it was from the very beginning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe that's another weird thing. So the other day, last night, I saw this weird graph that showed how people were introduced to one another. So like where did Uh couples meet? And it used to be, you know, a blind date? Did your parents set it up? Did you meet at work? Did you meet at a right. club that you go to? And so you have these lines and they start declining over time that that's not uh-huh. how people meet. That instead, it's now people met online and that line went way up, that that's how right. many people did it. And you find that like, that makes me have this weird sensation because you, the algorithms are choosing how you're paired up. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's a good thing but one of the things that can be overlooked, if you can find somebody that you like or connect with because you have the same interests, that's one thing. Yeah. But it's a whole nother thing to find a person that is your opposite and, and like the equal opposite force that can right. be somebody that you can
0: <laughs> yeah. hustle with. So um, I'm a perfect example of that. I, like I said, I'm divorced. So I married my best friends. I mean, I did that and he and I are still sorry,
1: Vance. We have a train. I love it. I love it. Of course, there's a train. Keep going, there's no problem.
0: Um, but uh, he was my best friend. We still are incredible friends. There is nothing wrong with being amazing friends with someone. Um, but man, I don't think your marriage should be based on that. Just my personal experience, I did not, it was. And I love I, – his name's Joe. I love Joe. He is an amazing guy. But, man, he deserved more, and I deserve more too. We both deserved more from it. And, you know, having someone who challenges you, who inspires you, who brings that passion up in you, uh, something that, that just – oh, it's like a, fre- a fresh breath of air, you know, just someone – you need someone who – does that for you and Joe is a great guy and I think he would say the same about me but it wasn't necessarily that way he was very comforting and a wonderful friend but like you said the algorithms basic you know pairing people up I think they would have paired Joe and I up repeatedly and that doesn't always mean that that's the way that that's going to work out well Um, I need someone who challenges me Um, and as you know Jared he he does that
1: it challenges everybody. <laughs> but I, like the, the tension is what creates like the, the symbol of the yin and the yang sign has a lot of meaning to me. And I'm sure yes. there are other ways that you could construct it. But like, you know, the way that my own life has churn is because mm-hmm. my wife will not let me stand still. And it's right. not in terms of she wants me to go make more money or have mm. a better house. Like none of that. It's like yeah. she sees something in me. And if I'm not living up to it, she yeah. can't fake the fact that she doesn't see it and so you're like, yeah. "Oh no, I've got to get better."
0: Yes. Yes. And your best and,
1: friend will help you on that path, but never like the full mm-hmm. tension of a partner.
0: Absolutely not. No, because that best friend to me it's a it's a comforting thing, um but maybe doesn't just push you and push you and push you. Um Jared definitely pushes me and I push him. Um to think differently or or to, you know, maybe consider things in a different way. Um, but if it's, if it's coming from a place of love, uh, you know, and I do have to remind Jared of that sometimes, that you know, <laughs> this is coming from a place of love. Uh, but he can be, he has so, I think women in particular, so this is something else, you will have a daughter, I think women, have the unique ability to really see the potential in a man. I really do, especially like a man that she loves. Uh, it's like you oh. can see right past so many things and so many insecurities that they have. And you, it's almost like you filter all of that—that that like insecurity, BS, like immaturity—maybe. And women, they
1: see straight through
0: it. And, um, and You are I,
1: describing actually my, my why, it's a weird thing to say, but it's um, when I think of having a daughter, right, that I had this uh-huh. like transcendent, the angels have come out, the Uroboros has been split in half and you can right. see the male and feminine energy, yes. great experience and then all of a sudden I came down from it and been like, but Vance, if there's karma in the world, you have a huge <laughs> debt that you're going to have to repay because right. there were a lot of girls that I met along the way mm-hmm. that they didn't see through my bullshit. Right. And I, and I would date them and it would not be a serious thing for me. And I, did not, I didn't have an understanding that there's a soul there and a person trying to give you something that matters mm-hmm. to them. How, mm-hmm. I, like, I feel like my job from day one is like, I have got to show you how to see through the bullshit of somebody like me.
0: Right. Am
1: am I destined to like have to repay this karma? Is this the way the world works?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so, man. Yeah. Give her those skills. That's great. I I feel very fortunate that my parents taught me that to just, just cut through that, cut through that stuff. And, um, And I think that'll be a wonderful skill that you pass on to her. Um,
1: And if you don't, then you have to be the one that watches your own daughter get hurt by some asshole like you.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, um, I think I put this on Twitter, but Jared and I, we knew each other in high school and and we were friends it wasn't that we weren't friends but man I thought he was kind of a jerk and you know just kind of the way he treated women it was not I wasn't really down with all of that and so when he asked me on a date I told him no several times I I don't want anything to do with you you know and my mom was actually the one that said Julie you know people change um, again, coming from a place of love, uh, people change, you know, second chances are important in life and I've been given second chances too. And so to deny someone else the the chance to present themselves differently, um, you know, is an injustice in some way. So I did give him a second chance, but on that date, we sat at least 15 20 feet apart the entire time and and I basically just grilled him the whole night it was like a test I think in many ways but I just didn't want to put up with I didn't have time for that I had a kid and I didn't have time for a bunch of nonsense and and just someone who wanted to act like an idiot I didn't really I I didn't have any interest in that and so yeah that first date I pretty much grilled him for five six hours and and he passed the test and then we moved forward so
1: (laughs) have any of your kids started dating yet
0: um yes they have they have so my daughter our oldest daughter uh, has a boyfriend who is very nice she also does not suffer fools well so um, she had previously dated a guy that, um, you know, just kind of brought some drama into her life. And she, I think she realized, yeah, that's not, that's not the way that I want to go from now on. And so she recognized that. And, and so she's with a guy who, you know, very stable, uh, very much so uh, uh, has his head on straight and she just doesn't suffer fools. She just doesn't, <laughs> which makes so- me proud.
1: You know like uh you know the the two two brothers that Jared and I know the Ring brothers are young yes. guys and uh-huh. they got married in their early 20s um right. and and as you're a mom uh-huh. what do you think in this modern age is it okay do you know yourself well enough can you find a partner in your early 20s do you want that for your children or or what? is that like ripe for decision, you know mistakes
0: well, I think everyone has to choose their own path in life. I think that's important. So, if my child chose to do that, I would definitely. I think I would. So, I got married at 19 to my oh. to Joe. Uh huh. Yeah. So, I was very young. And um, again, he was my best friend. I felt very confident that I would love him forever. And I do love him. It's not that I don't. He's an amazing man. He's just not who I should be married to um, but I did get married at 19 and so I felt like I would feel like if my children chose to do that I would encourage them to hold off um, I think there's a lot of maturing and changing that goes on uh, especially when you first you know go through college and get your first job and dealing things with oh like real life like a mortgage and paying for health insurance and, you know, just learning those things. And everybody uh, navigates that differently. And I think the mistake that I made in my first marriage was um, he, Joe did not like taking care of that stuff. And so as his friend, I thought, well, I'll just take care of it because he doesn't want to take care of it. And then I think slowly I began to resent that. And I felt like I should have a partner rather than someone that I just took care of you know, and it wasn't his fault. It it wasn't, I completely put it upon myself to do it, but I wanted to be nice because he was my friend. You know, I wanted to help out my friend and my husband at the time. So I, I don't know, I would caution against that. Um, uh, I don't make that same mistake with Jared now you know if he doesn't want to do something you know a lot of times we'll do it together because the job sucks and it's horrible and neither of us like it but I I don't think that that that's necessarily a a positive thing to just constantly Say, I'll take it on, I'll take it on, I'll take it on. Because eventually you'll get tired of it and you'll get burned out. So I don't know. You know, it took me a few more years to come to terms with that. But maybe some people when they're 19, they already understand those things. I tend to learn lessons the hard way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's true. I think think the Ring Brothers, when I think about like their work ethic and partnership and all the things that they know, I had no idea about these things. When I was in my 20s, it was like, hey, we're going to do it my way or I'm just going to bolt. You know, right. oh, and if you don't like it, yeah. I'm just gonna bolt. Yeah, and like uh, that's not a partnership, right? That's a one sided no, deal.
0: That is a one sided deal, and uh, so yeah, I think everyone just choosing their own path in life, and I and I try to put that into my kids too, and even Jared, I think we try to encourage each other that way too, is to discover new interesting things and know that we are always behind each other. A hundred percent, even if it's not something that I particularly understand and interest that they want to pursue, they know at the end of the day, I've got their back and I know that they have my back. And it's just this awesome network and family that no matter what you know you have got this this rock behind you that even when you don't believe in yourself or you are having doubts that you can lean upon this rock and you know that you have their support and love even if I don't necessarily agree with it all the time I'm not going to reject them and they won't reject me.
1: So speaking of things that uh, you don't agree with, like mm-hmm. right now, as you look out in the world, what is something that you believe that you think the rest of the world doesn't see eye to eye with you on, that, that you think like, we're somehow <laughs> off kilter here?
0: I think the value of family and children. I think there is, I, I strongly disagree with abortion. And um, I, I cannot wrap my head around, I cannot wrap my head around it, I just can't. I know that there are times that there are medical um, issues involved and I have more sympathy there. But um, I think I just place such value in children, all children, that uh, just the idea of not allowing them to make, to make their mark on the world is just a huge disservice and i think that it destroys people's soul a little bit it it almost like it 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 creates this void taking that from someone is just a it's huge it's huge
1: when when i was younger i i fortunately was never in this position but Mm -hmm. i don't know that i would have had the foresight or the understanding i mean I was so disconnected from the voice that I talk about being wrapped inside Mm -hmm. of me that I would have said, if there's some voice that told me not to do it, it's because it's the old antiquated way of looking at it. And I wouldn't have realized whether it's right or wrong in the fabric of society, I would never have known that I was giving away a piece of my soul. And I Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the challenges is you have people that are in a really tough spot Mm -hmm. and they don't and they don't know what to do. and the it wasn't until I was nearly 40 years old that I sure. realized how much I wanted a child. And so there's there's something there that I, I feel like our society, it's probably exactly what you started off by saying, like this information can only be passed on to you by your ancestors because mm-hmm. society's answer is going to be something different than the tradition of old of, of that we've learned over time.
0: And society's answer is constantly also changing. And so, uh, you know, the right answer may have been something, you know, different 20 years ago than it is today. And so there is no legacy to pass on. It is constantly changing with the way that people view the world or it's it's constantly evolving and not always in a good way. Um, so I I don't know I think people sell a little piece of their soul off in a lot of ways you know maybe making compromises with things that they don't believe in and I I recognize that I am incredibly blessed to be able to even say that I know a lot of people maybe with the job that they have or just the circumstances that they're in don't feel free to speak their mind and um, luckily i have always spoke my mind and i've had the freedom to do so and i have i'm not not going to do it i i feel like if i if i ever stopped doing that i would lose a piece of myself and i'm not willing to do that and so but i'm willing to forego you know maybe having a big career or you know uh just different different things I'm willing to sacrifice those things to keep my compass to keep me going in the direction that I feel like I need
1: to be going well I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty that I would not be sitting in this chair had I not spoken with your husband and he basically told me if your goal is uh, to be able to be free to speak to other people then you can't be paid by one corporation for your opinion because <clears throat> Right. They are rightly in charge of, of what you say publicly. And so if you don't want them to be in charge of it, you have to give up the money. And it was, I remember where I was walking. I'll never forget it because yeah. that was when I was confronted with a reality that I always knew but, mm-hmm. but wasn't willing to face. And he made me face it. And I think that that's the thing that allows people to get to the place where their voice tells them they need to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then having the courage to follow that voice, and having a partner to encourage to to follow that voice too. You know, I know people who have that voice, and maybe their spouse is a little more apprehensive about it. You know, just having the courage, and rightfully so. I'm not even coming down on the spouse about that, but you know, just having the courage and the faith to move forward and to do to do it, to follow it. Uh, and to me, you, you will never regret it, never. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to be free and to be, not, have, not allow someone to have their thumb on you. Um, I've never liked that. I, I, I'd never want to be in that position to where someone has control over me. Um, I just, I think I'd rather die, honestly.
1: I think those are powerful words, and I believe you in that. When, when you think about home, right, I, well, I maybe my, one of the challenges, so the other day I was talking with some people I'm really close with, and I was pointing out that if things start to get really bad in the cities, it might be a good idea to leave, right? right? But it was pointed out to me by my mentor, that's only true if the place you're leaving isn't your home. If right. it's your home, then leaving it is something you should take very, very seriously. It's not to say you should never leave your home, right. but that you you stay and you f- you fight for your home and you get involved right. before the battle becomes, becomes physical. Uh-huh. When you think about home, what mm-hmm. is that for you? What do you want your children to feel and to know about the home that you and Jared are creating? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, well, when I think about home, I think about no man's land. <laughs> you know, where we live, it's... Uh, it's a bit desolate and um, you know maybe isn't for everyone but
1: you're being very like modest there when you say desolate it's jared (laughs) sends videos you can look in all directions and see nothing but horizon in every direction and it's dry dusty hot fields or cold for that matter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know, I love that. Like it speaks to me. It really does. Um, And I find a lot of beauty in it. I know that that's strange, but I feel very much a real connection to this area. Um, The harshness of it. I love it. I think it's amazing. I think it creates strong people. You have to be strong to be here and you have to, um, find your strength and you have to find that strength from a young age and I think that's one of the most important things that a parent can show their child is where their strength is and so this area it's really easy to do that in um, because it is harsh and so I think it molds and shapes amazing people and creative people because you learn to see beauty in things like a desolate you know windblown, blown uh, uh, area but being able to see for miles, man, it just speaks to my heart and it brings me a very real sense of peace to see those things. And, um, I would absolutely fight for this area and, uh, you know, no one else probably even likes it and that's okay. It's, it's my little corner. <laughs> um, but i also recognize that just like my ancestors that had to leave you know ireland and germany and mexico and to go off in, in search for something else again your home you carry with you um even though i have a real connection to this to this earth and the land and and this area um if we move somewhere else, I would still carry that, those things with me and the things that no man's land has taught me, I would carry that. It would very much so be a place in my heart and would be forever. And I would try to pass that along to my children. And hopefully their children's children. Um, you know, my ancestors, they brought hardships and things that they learned from, you know, their countries and the things that they were escaping. They brought those with them and those uh, value systems. And so, you know, home—you carry it with you. Those, the legacy of of how you view the world.
1: I, as I'm hearing you say that, I I come to recognize why I, I really wanted to talk with you. It was definitely the voice telling me that you're you're a form of of the godmother that I would want my child to have. So oh. and this has been a wonderful <laughs> recording because I think that I think that it's too easy to not hold home that valuable. I think that it's easy to say like, ah, it's not that big of a deal, or oh, things change, or oh, whatever. And I think that that um, gives up something that's fundamental, that's core mm-hmm. to, we are a family and we wanna carry on this tradition and the legacy and the beliefs mm-hmm. that we have. That that to me is something deeply important and very, very rare, I think, in today's society. So I'm really glad you were willing to come on and share all this with me.
0: Yeah. I I. I wish that more people held that dear, Um, you know, uh, that family unit and that core that's going to be with you forever. And to me, and I and I tell Jared this sometimes. You know, when you're on your deathbed, or you're, you know, you're thinking about your life when you're older, you know, whether or not you raise that amazing corn crop that time that's really not what you're going to be thinking about you're going to be thinking about your children and their legacy and how their life is and you know whether or not you did a good job and he is he's an amazing father and i love him to pieces as anybody you know knows (laughs) from twitter um but uh those are your values that's what's important and that's what you're going to be thinking about you're not going to think thinking about well I got that one cool promotion that one time and they all said I did a good job no one cares you know I know that sounds harsh but no, no one cares. damn right that's <laughs> damn right they don't even
1: care if you were CEO once that part of the conversations over they don't care
0: yeah no one, no one cares that's not a legacy it's not a legacy that family unit I feel like our society needs to get back to that and I don't care if that family unit is um, It really doesn't matter uh, if you are, you know, a gay couple or even, you know, interracial. I don't care about all of that. I care about like how you guys are interconnecting with each other. Are you each other's support system? Are you challenging each other to become better?
1: are you forging yes, what, together two different traditions so that something bigger can, tr- can, yeah, can come together? Like,
0: right, and are you building something good? Are you making the world a better place? And um, like, what are you doing with your life and, and challenging each other? I think that those are so important and I think it's so easy to, to just kind of like, oh, well, home is a stressful place. And well, yeah, it's stressful. It's the most important job you have. Yeah, it's gonna be stressful. And um, you've got to learn that it's worth it. It's worth it and that's where you pour your time and energy and heart into. That's what it needs to be poured into. Not necessarily making sure a corporation makes millions of dollars because they don't care. They don't care about you.
1: I feel like a lot of the truths that you have are are simple but very difficult to look at. And I think that that uh, (laughs) requires a certain kind of person to be able to deliver those. If people wanted to stay in touch with you, if they wanted to get a hold of you, you mentioned Twitter a couple times. How would they find you?
0: Um, just look for me on Twitter. Um, I think my handle is julymac08. I'm pretty sure that's my handle. Um, every once in a while, I get rid of my Twitter account because I get sick of it. But
1: <laughs> that's good. Um, and when it's yeah, there, it's there.
0: It is. I have a tendency to. Um, I don't know. I think social media is a good thing, but I think it can also become toxic. And so if uh, I feel like, again, listening to your inner voice, you and I have talked about this, man, that's your guide, that's your compass. And so if that inner voice is like, you know what? You need to distance yourself from this. You need to get rid of this. Um, So when I hear that, then I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with that. I don't wanna do that.
1: I I was gonna wrap it up, but you made me think of something. I (laughs) have a new theory uh, that I call the Dunbar social media theory. Okay. so the the Dunbar number is the number of connections that you can keep track of in a given community. So how many people can you know like, oh, they're in a breakup and oh, this is what's going on with that guy and this is right. he, his wife's getting sick and her dad, you know, just lost right. his job. So I think that once you get over the Dunbar number, they say it's about 300 people you could add or subtract depending on who you are. how many social relationships you can track. Uh-huh. That once you get over that number and the number of people that you see on social media, mm. you inherently view so much of what they're saying as noise that mm-hmm. you let in voices and you care about things that you don't actually care about and you couldn't understand the context of. So it inherently yeah. overwhelms you.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And that's and it's unhealthy too, because if you are on social media and you're worrying about, like you said, like these these things that are silly or affect you in no way or you would have no way of even helping that person particularly with through those issues or what you said really wouldn't even matter to that person um what are you sacrificing in your real life and maybe in real life you would have a friend or even just an acquaintance that you really could help um you know are you where are you putting your love and energy would it be better focused in a different place um I tend to think that social media is great um, but I I also think that personal interaction with someone even just like at a grocery store just to check out uh, you know just gathering that that taking the five minutes to maybe just ask someone how their day is and then just be genuinely interested and really talk to them I think that that can make a real difference
1: well julie mcdaniel this has been a great pleasure and i love 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 not only the sound of your voice but what you say and so i will definitely have you on if you'll come back on again
0: absolutely you bet anytime
1: well thanks for joining me yes well that's going to do it for this week's interview with mother and cattle rancher julie mcdaniel i want to thank her so much for coming on i really did not prepare her at all for the conversations that we were going to be having and we were talking about the very fundamental core of life. What is it to be a mother? What is it to raise a child? How do you keep a daughter going on the upright path when you feel like you have some karma to repay? What a wonderful conversation. If you're interested in having deep conversations and exploring the way that other people see the world, how they understand where their place is in it, and when they're asking questions to get feedback and advice about how you've navigated not just communications or technology challenges, but how to think about things out in the world, then you might enjoy the Articulate Ventures Network. I talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, so I'll leave it there, but I just wanna say, if you're thinking about it, just come join for a month or so. And it's one of those things that when you check out what's going on and you see what's all available to you, you realize this may be the type of community that you've always wanted but could never get to, could never make the time for, or could never integrate into. And this community is a really interesting one. So even if you've never been the type of person that's joined a community, I'm making this call out now that if you're enjoying, if you've listened all the way to the end of this podcast, this may be a network for you. So check out the link below. And uh, remember, we've got that 1984 book club on uh, the last Sunday of the month at 7.30. And if you're interested, either join the network or send me a DM on Twitter. Thanks so much, and we'll be back next week with more interviews.